Welcome to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast with your hosts, Caleb Dilley and Ryan Heenan. From novice to elite athletes, we are here to tell your story and share our perspective. Let's go. What's up, everybody? It's Caleb and Ryan. Welcome back to the podcast. We're super excited for tonight's guest. From the bodybuilding world, we have a coach. He was a competitor. Now he's switched to coaching. So he's been on both sides. He knows his stuff. We're super excited for you to hear his story tonight. The owner of Team Courtney Coaching, Mike Courtney. Mike, welcome to the podcast. What's up, guys? Caleb, Ryan, appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, man, we're stoked to have you here. So uh, let's let's jump right into it, Mike. If, if you can, um, just kind of start us from the beginning. What what got you into the sport? Oh man, um, it was kind of a couple things. Um, I I grew up in a small town. Their their bodybuilding wasn't really in existence back then. Um, I grew up playing music. And uh, one of the bands that I looked up to, the, the lead singer had, uh, he, he was pretty built, you know, and I was probably, what, 16 years old, I think, at that point. And so I'm looking at this guy like, what in the hell? Like, you know, <laughs> just thinking this guy is just a beast, you know? And uh, so that kind of, you know, intrigued me. And so I started going to the local, the local gym. Um at that point, you know, I was a typical kid workout, you know, going into a chest every day kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, from there, just it was a, just consumed me. And I've always been um, an extremely almost to a default passionate person. I'm I'm all gas, no brakes. I mean, you know, so like when I get into something, it's 120 percent you know, effort. And uh, I did that with music, learn how to play guitar and grow, you know, growing up and playing music all over and touring California and stuff. And then uh, when I, when I caught the bug, you know, as far as um, initially what just was meant to be some physique goals um, that led me to working at a supplement shop when I was 18, which led me to my first, uh, my, the, my coworker would bring in uh his brother's laptop on when it was like slow weekends and stuff. And he had a bunch of Ronnie Coleman DVDs on there. And, uh, you know, then I see Ronnie Coleman, I'm thinking, I mean, this is what, you know, what planet is this guy from, you know, and <laughs> watching him slang around, you know, these heavy ass weights and, you know, uh, just all his catchphrases and all of his, just all the craziness that, that Coleman was. Um, and, and at that point I was like, I want to do this. I want to, I want to be a freak, you know, I want to be this huge bodybuilder and, um, you know, and that was, that was kind of the, be the beginning of, of, a of a passion that, you know, I'm still living and breathing to, you know, 16, what, no more than that, 18 years later, you know, still, still going after it. So it's been my entire adult life has been dedicated to, uh, whether it's physique or strength sports, essentially. So how did it look when you so, went from, you know, having physique goals and obviously as a, a dude in that 16 to 18 year old range, we've all been there. And again, to your point, you, you want to max out the bench press and, you, you know, you want to get the bolder shoulders and get big arms, mm -hmm. right? It's so mainly upper body yep. focused, right? But whenever yeah. you saw, and even in those DVDs on the, the competitive side, what, what changed or, you know, in yourself or what, you know, did you know anybody that competed or how did you, how did you seek that out to actually 
you know, say, I, I'm going to compete. I'm going to get on stage or I'm going to do my first prep. How, how did that look? Yeah. So yeah, the transition of basically um, from being just like a, a GNC, <laughs> typical GNC guy with the white polo and then the, you know, with, you know, like they all have that same frat boy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of look and everything <laughs> to, to bodybuilding. Um, you know, so again, um, you know, back then we didn't have YouTube. Um, I think MySpace was the only social media really at that point. Mm-hmm. So everybody was forums. But I, so I just started getting on the internet, you know, and, 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 you know, we had Google and obviously and just looking up stuff and, um, get on the forums. And, um, I've always been very hungry for knowledge. Um, so it kind of created several, like, uh, several things started to happen. I mean, in that time, so I knew I loved fitness. I knew I loved, I had these physique goals. So at 18 years old, that's going to be, you know, I'm thinking that's going to be my career. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I, I find out how to become, you know, what does that mean? Well, so I start, I, I go and get certified, I um, uh, start taking co- a course for, through uh, NASM to be a personal trainer. I'm working at the local supplement shop, you know, which between that you start, talking with people and, and, you know, I got all these customers coming in and stuff and asking me things and, Oh, have you t- ever talked to so-and-so? I think he does, you know, the bodybuilding competitions and blah, blah, blah. So kind of word of mouth. And, you know, I've never been, um, I, I've always been one of, you know, if I want to learn something, I'm going to go ask the person doing it. Right. You know, I just kind of how, so, you know, uh, he was, there's a, there's a, a guy in ta- <clears throat> town out there in Modesto, California. And I, uh, you know, he owned a, a supplement shop and and a little personal training studio, and so I went down there and um, just started asking. And I was broke, you know. I was like I said, just a college kid at this point, um, fresh out of high school, work, you know, doing uh, going to school, going to junior college, and everything. And so I, I basically just started working there as well, part time, working off my my prep essentially. Yeah, <laughs> and he started coaching me, and it was all just. I mean, very rudimentary kind of stuff, but you know, it, it worked to it to its you know for what it for what it was, and I was basically eating a bunch of tuna and and green beans and you know that kind of thing, very very basic. I mean, you know, really basic stuff, um, but it but it worked, and uh, that that was kind of the beginning. And so I ended up doing my first competition. Let's see, I started. I think I did my first comp when I was nineteen, um, and yeah, I was nineteen when I did my first my first show out there in Modesto. So, um, yeah. And so leading up to that show, even for the very first time, because I think that's always actually the biggest, as far as learning, I feel like the first show just opens all of our eyes. Oh yeah. To, you floodgate, know, right? So much, <laughs> right. You think, you know yeah. what you expect, right? We've watched the DVDs and we've talked to people and you mm-hmm. think, you know, right. How did, how did that first show Pair to your expectations, not not for from a success standpoint. And you can even talk about that if you want. But as far as just even what you expected or what you thought you were getting into versus the first time you were on stage. Oh yeah. So for some reason, I think I, I mean everyone's different, right? But like for me, when I told people I was going to do the show, and everybody looked at me like I had fourteen eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, because they're 
you know, 99.8% of everyone in that entire area had no clue what a bodybuilding competition even was. Um, you know, except for they had their, you know, everyone had their own, everyone thinks it's like working out on stage or some weird shit. Everyone's got these different things. <laughs> um, but once I said I was going to do this, um, and I was, I was never a small kid, you know, like I, I grew up doing sports and stuff, but it was always like, re- you know, uh, wrestling and I did uh, shot discus and things like that. Like I was never like a skinny kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're all looking at me like, you're going to do what? You know, like you're going to, you know, you're going to get on stage and a little speedo and have abs <laughs> and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And they're like looking at me like I'm absolutely nuts. But once I put that out there, I sure as hell wasn't going to let it, you know, look stupid. And that yeah. was my biggest thing, I think, was that, like I said, you know, because I had committed and I've seen that even with, you know, now, you know, many, many years later with clients where, you know, they say they're going to do this one show and they, people really believe that others care. I, the reality is I think nobody actually gives a shit, you know, I mean, I mean in all, in all mm-hmm. fairness, and nobody really gives a shit whether you do or don't do a bodybuilding competition or CrossFit competition or powerlifting competition or whatever it is. But for some reason, you know, we have, we get in our heads that people really give a damn that we're going to, you know, that we're going to do this thing. And, um, I had for sure though, I had no idea. I mean, it was absolutely the hardest thing I'd, you know, at that time that I'd ever done, mm-hmm. you know, having to stick to this, you know, I was corn fed, little corn fed white boy, you know, and, and eating mama's cooking every night and, um, you know, drinking, I used to drink a ton of milk and, and, uh, soda pop, you know, all that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, I'm drinking, you know, no soda, you know, eating tuna cans and having to cook. I did. I didn't even cook my own food back then. Right. So, I mean, that was like, we're talking, I was still living at home. Mm-hmm. So we're talking what, you know, when I first started, it was, was like completely, I remember going to the store and asking my, uh, my folks to help me like shop at the store. I, I was just completely a, a, oblivious to, to any of that, you know, what, how do you, what, what chicken do I get mom? What, what, you know, what, mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, I'm supposed to eat this. Well, I'm supposed to eat green beans. How do I, how do I, how the, how the hell do I cook a green bean? You know, <laughs> I, I had no idea. So like, it, and then, so there was this whole other, like just so, it, and it, it, it's one of these things where you think you're just doing this like competition and you know, it means you're gonna have to work out really hard, but little do you know, this is a, the, you know, bodybuilding is 24 seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, there's no off button. If you're trying to do a competition, every thing from every meal that you eat or don't eat, uh, how much sleep you get, how much stress you have, how much you're in gym, how much cardio you're doing. And that's not even counting the posing. And, you know, I mean, they're just, it's an all consuming, uh, endeavor. And I think, uh, a lot of people will bite off more than they're really wanting to, mm-hmm. you know, but for some reason, my stubborn ass was like, no, nope. I said, I'm doing it. So I'm doing it, you know, and, <laughs> and, but then I think there's also at the end of it, you know, I think the part that is addicting, and I think it's surprising. I would imagine. I'll tell you what, I've never been a sprinter, as you can probably tell by looking at me. But <laughs> you know, uh, I would imagine or a long distance runner. It's probably the same thing. You go do a marathon, and you know they talk about that runner's high at the end of a competition. And you know, Ryan, I know you can attest to this. Like you get done with that competition, and uh, it's like um, the endorphins, you know, after you get off that stage and, and that feeling, and uh, you know, just accomplishment that you have is uh is where you go man that was really hard i think i want to do it again you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah that's kind of how it started you know 
So full well, disclosure here, Mike, I, uh, I'm very much a, a newbie into the, the culture of bodybuilding. I've always kind of admired it from afar, but you know, once Ryan and I got to be, you know, pretty close friends realizing that was a passion of his, you know, I started following some accounts on Instagram and you said something earlier that, mm-hmm. that I've noticed in my, in my short time, just kind of following some of these athletes. Now this ranges from, from guys that are competing in the, in the Olympia to uh, a couple of uh, guys in the uh, NPC that Ryan has, has pointed out to me, but kind of what I see, and mm-hmm. I'd like you to speak to this because you mentioned it is it almost seems in the culture of bodybuilding, there's this chip on your shoulder that I've mm. got to crush this next show to shut up the haters, to shut up all the people in my Instagram comments to, yeah. uh, to prove this person wrong, to prove that person wrong. And right. you know, that's not exclusive to bodybuilding. That's you see that in a lot of sports, but um, as someone, you know, coming from the running world into the bodybuilding world, uh, that's something specifically that stuck out to me. So I was wondering if you could maybe speak on that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, I've had some theories on maybe why that is, you know, and I think everyone's got their own, their own drive and their own reason on why they got to do it, you know, <laughs> but I do think for whatever reason, bodybuilding attracts a lot of broken people, um, people that for some reason have something to prove, you know, and I think that, um, you know, and I, I even wonder what drove me back then. Um, you know, maybe it was like being kind of the chubby kid growing up or whatever. And, 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 you know, and then I think there's even like a level of, and there has to be to some degree of, uh, where you almost have to be a little narcissistic when you get into bodybuilding because it is a self sport. I mean, you are the, you know, it's, it's you, that's it. And, and so you kind of have this, like this, you know, like, so you really just think like all these people, again, like they really give a shit and I don't, you know, and they're all these haters talking and I'm like, the reality is I look in hindsight and I'm like, nobody probably was really, I mean, now my, actually, I will say like, there is, there was some examples like later on where, you know, people were talking shit and there was kind of a fun part there where, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember Boston Lloyd or, you know, if you ever followed like Boston, you know, but yeah, there was a time when he was like calling me out on the internet and, you know, this and that. And we had that fun little rivalry, rivalry for a minute and stuff, you know, but for the most part, nobody gives a shit. You know, no one cares that Mike Courtney's going to go do a bodybuilding competition. I know the only time I think people start to care and even then it's a small amount of people is maybe when we're talking about like the Olympia or the Arnold, like some, some of these more like top caliber pro shows, you know, but for our, all of us, you know, at an amateur level, no one really gives a shit what show you're going to do or not do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things that I think, you know, maybe in time, um, you know, you can build a following and people maybe start to follow you and, 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 and have a general care for you. But um, I don't think the the hate is there like quite maybe like people think it is, you know? And I think at some level, whatever motivates you to get the work done, mm-hmm. if it works, it works. If it's some contrived, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Like I, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you what, and this is, uh, in fact, the wife and I, we were talking about it this week. I have had so many clients, some of my best clients and some of the best bodybuilders I ever, I've ever seen are actually typically former drug addicts, people who had uh, a major addiction. 
you know, and I think, for, you know, in a lot of ways, they probably traded one addiction for another one. Mm. And that's, in my opinion, that's great. You know, you took a, a, a bad addiction, you traded for, you know, a good addiction. It can be, you know, I mean, everything can be good and bad in its own thing, but for the most part, but yeah, I've seen so many people have completely turned their lives around through, through bodybuilding, you know, we, we, you know, becoming basically addicted to bodybuilding in a way, right. You know, they're like the most, I mean, those people are the ones that, at least that come to my mind are the most dedicated when it comes to their food and they're the most dedicated and getting their workouts in and getting their cardio in and get their, you know, like they are on it. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it just kind of speaks that everybody has their own driving force, you know, and, and, you know, some, some guy, maybe he got beat up in high school and he was the little guy and he got tired of beating up. So, so that's his, his driving factor, you know, and you got another guy, that's whatever, right. You know, but we all got our reasons that drives us to, to do these extremes. Uh, Cause there ain't, there's no doubt about it. Bodybuilding is as extreme as it gets. It is one of, you know, it's a very extreme sport. I think very, few people maybe truly understand that. Um, but, you know, but, uh, yeah, we all, you know, we all got our own, own reasons pushing us to, to, to do these things, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, a perfect point. So when you, we talk about, you know, what maybe wanted you, made you want to get into that first show after you caught that mm -hmm. bug and mentally, what did you use to motivate you? Was it continuing to just say you wanted to, you know, one up your physique each time or how did you re-motivate yourself as you did more and more shows and as you competed, as you saw progress, did you, did your motivations change over the years? Did you have kind of a, a fundamental motivation and then used other little things to, to charge that up? Or how did you, cause it is, it is so mental. It is, it's a, it's a vain yeah. aesthetic sport, but at the same time, mm -hmm. being able to do the same repetitious thing day after day, understanding if you don't, it's not going to work. is <clears throat> so much more mental mm -hmm. than it is physical, right? And so that's why I think that the mental side is just, it's such a cool part of bodybuilding and it, it's what makes us or breaks us, not the physical stuff. It's just, can you continue, yeah. you know, to figure out ways to motivate yourself, you know, for that morning cardio, for that meal to, like you said, either eat it or don't eat it. If you need it or don't need it, that it's all mental. Mm -hmm. It is so mental. So yeah. yeah, how did you, in, in, in the competition side of things, did your, did your inspiration change? Did your motivation change or why you continued even to compete? Did that change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's definitely changed over time. Like, the, you know, what my goal was maybe for my first my first show compared to my fifth show compared to my tenth show, mm -hmm. they're all very different, right? Um, so I've had different motivations. I, I, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I think you know, I can't tell you how many guys I get, and they do one or two shows, and then all they all they want to talk about is someday I want to get my pro card and blah, blah blah. And so, yeah, I think for a lot of people that is a goal. I don't know that that was ever necessarily like a driving factor for me. Um, I've also, you know, I, I try to be a, a realist um, and I knew genetically, like I wasn't the genetic elite, I, you know, that wasn't my thing. If anything, I, if I was ever like built to do something, I was actually probably more gifted in the powerlifting world. Um, that came the most natural to me. Um my bone structure and just kind of how I built, uh, you know, everything is, is more geared towards, you know, really heavy lifting. I've always just been naturally strong. Um, but bodybuilding, the passion I had was, was more of that freak factor, you know? And I think that's what drew me to it from the first thing. Some people want to go out and get tattoos and piercings and all that kind of shit. 
to, you know, have to stand out for me. I wanted to be the, I wanted to walk in the room and people go, Holy shit. You know, Mm -hmm. that that was my art, my walking art, you know, Um, my goal more than even competing. I always wanted to be a 300 pound bodybuilder. That's really what I wanted to be. You know, I always wanted to be 300 pounds, you know, walking around in the off season, you know, uh, the shows were more of just kind of that means to an end each time, part of the season, right? Because I don't want to get too fat in the off season trying to grow, how to shut it down. And and, and I wanted to see where I was at, right? See how much of that actually progressed. Yep. Um, but then I've had other motivations, like, cause I did, I, I did go back and forth from the bodybuilding world into the powerlifting world. And I've, I ha- I've had to shut down the bodybuilding thing several times from a competitive standpoint. So then there was always kind of that comeback mentality. You know, um, I think I did like uh, something in the realms of maybe six competitions, six or seven shows, and then shut it down, went through the police academy or no, let me see, I'm backwards, Uh, shut it down, went, ended up having a divorce and all this and took a a break from the bodybuilding side of things uh, to the powerlifting world, did that for a few years. Then I went through the police academy and then got out of the police academy and wanted to kind of have that comeback. You know what I mean? See like, oh, okay, let's see, see if I still got it kind of thing. You know, even though it's only been a few years, but in my mind, you know, it's, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I went back and I ended up doing another um, six or seven shows after after that, you know. So, but yeah, so it's changed, you know, motivations change. So what did that transition look like for you? Um, obviously, when we introduced you into this episode, we mentioned, you know, Mike Courtney, the coach. So we've been talking about Mike mm-hmm. Courtney, the athlete. So can you talk about that transition? How did you get in the coaching? Um, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it kind of seems like a natural transition. You had been doing it for a while as an athlete yeah. and it kind of lended maybe itself to to you jumping in as a coach. So, Yeah, um, coaching kind of just always seemed to fall in my lap. Uh, you know, I mean, it really was just. I mean, again, if you go back to where I started, I, I grew up in Oakdale, California. It's the cowboy capital of the world is what we're known as. You know, if you ever heard of the Oakdale Rodeo and it's just a small town, you know, I mean, one one high school, um, nothing, not, there's not a whole lot going on in Oakdale, right? Um, I mean, people lost their minds. Somehow we ended up with a Gold's Gym. Uh, which to this day was crazy that they built a gold gym in Oakdale of all places, you know? Um, and that was where I first started doing my, you know, uh, personal training at and everything was right there at gold's gym. And, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Mike Matarazzo, you guys remember, you know, he was one of the best bodybuilders to ever do it. I mean, he competed at the Olympia many mm-hmm. times and one of the, just a fantastic, you know, nineties and two thousand bodybuilder. Um, he, he ended up having a quadruple bypass heart surgery and, um, I was fortunate enough when I first started my bodybuilding career, he was another big influence on me. Again, just fell into my lap. He just happened to be working out. He he couldn't work out anymore because the doc, he literally the doctor said if he was, because his heart was, you know, he's recovering and everything. But it, it had been a couple of years at this point, but he could only do cardio because every time he would start to even lift like little weights, like five, 10 pounds, he would put on too much, too much muscle and it would be too much stress on his heart. Um, so he would just go in there and walk on the treadmill for like an hour every day. So I was able, fortunate to go in there and just talk with him and have him as this like awesome insight. And he'd help me pose and tell me all these crazy stories in the bodybuilding world and all the do's and don'ts and everything. And um, 
I, at that time, you know, around that time, I think I'd already done one or two shows and I'd already, because I was, again, in a small town, everyone's like, who's this Mike Courtney cat, you know? And so I had a lot of, as a personal trainer, I had a lot of clients coming to me. Um, and, you know, thinking I'm, you know, kind of the latest and greatest thing. Cause again, there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. And, um, you know, my, not my, my ex-wife, but, um, she was a runner at the time and started working out at my gym. She never even touched a weight before. She was red flagged from the junior college for running because her Achilles got hurt. Starts working out, doing kind of my program, essentially. Uh, and within six weeks, she competed in her first competition. Back then, there was no women's bikini or wellness. Or All there was was basically figure and women's bodybuilding at the local level. And uh, women's physique and all that came came down the road. And within six weeks of, of working out, she, she, cause she just, I mean, genetics, like you couldn't have been nominal genetics. She um, was too big and shredded for the women's figure division. And they already basically wanted her to do women's bodybuilding. I mean, this girl could just look at a weight and grow. And um, so that also kind of, you know, and I was obviously helping her with her, you know, in the beginning phases and everything. And he went on to, you know, after our, son was born i want to say it was like from start to finish like literally she started working out with me back then i forget what year it was um gets pregnant maybe i don't know it wasn't wasn't very long uh you know maybe nine months out you know after her and i had been if that six months maybe after her and i had been together um nine months of that she obviously was carrying a child and six months after my son was born um she earned a pro card. So, I mean, you're talking just crazy genetics. So, you know, within a two years thing of ever even touching a weight to, you know, at eight, you know, and she was young, she was, she got a pro card at like, she, at the time, I think she was the youngest female pro bodybuilder ever or something. And um, so, you know, it just, it was like, it all just kind of would fall in my lap, you know? So then all these people kept coming to me. I had a bunch of guys from the powerlifting world um hit me up wanting to do their first you know switch over from powerlifting to bodybuilding and and just people kind of coming out of the woodwards one you know so i mean early on in my bodybuilding career i had people hitting me up wanting me to train them whether it's for competition or transformations or or whatever and so um I've, i've honestly been a coach for a long time but it was you know things happen uh life has a funny way of working. Right. So I, I ended up, uh, you know, her and I got divorced, going to the, the police Academy. Um, I, I work for, for corrections here in California. And, um, I end up, it, it was kind of just a, a weird kind of way it all worked out. I, um, during COVID, I end up getting this opportunity where I, I work with, basically taking inmates out to fight fires. So I'm working for Cal fire and corrections, California corrections at the same time and taking inmates out to fight fires during California's worst fire she's never had. And also during COVID, you know what I mean? So, so at that time, bodybuilding is going on the way back burner, like big time back burner. Right. I had to just kind of put it because this was a huge uh, career opportunity, um, you know, just 
it paid really well. It just, it was a whole nother, whole nother level. And uh, so I kind of put it on the back burner. I had to tell at this time, I did have a lot of clients though. And I had to um, kind of tell everyone, Hey, you know, and, and but again, we we're, everything was like, like every people were at this point, weren't even able to work out. Right. And this is back when they were like, gyms were shut down. Everything was shut down. So I just kind of told clients during this time, Hey, I'm going to be taking a break from, from coaching right now. And, you know, I'll check in with you guys, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going out. I spent two years working through COVID fighting fires, gone traveling all over California, fighting these fires and stuff with inmates and doing all this crazy shit. And, um, I finally get back, um, 20, let's see, that was what, 2021, 2020 or 2021. I, my times are kind of fucked up right now, but anyways, I, uh, end up tearing, I, I, I come back. Um, I'm like, all right, time to get, cause gyms out there. I, I did the best I could. I mean, I brought, I had this like in my, in my work truck, I would keep like all my, you know, protein powders and I had a little, little like propane cooker and I did the best I could. And a lot, all the Cal fire, uh, like the fire, where the, you know, where all the, um, firefighters are like, they all have like their own little gyms and stuff. So when I could, if I wasn't out fighting fire, uh, with, with the inmates or at least supervising the inmates while they're fighting fires, I would try to get workouts in. So I was doing the best I could, right? Like, I mean, you know, it, it was what it was, but I obviously lost some size and, you know, so I'm coming back. I finally make a comeback. I'm, I'm back back home um fire season's over everything's slowing down i'm getting back in shape my body's bouncing back super quick strength's coming back um to put it in perspective again like i told you guys i've always been super strong so you know there was like it was very often i'd be benching over 500 pounds you know there was a point where i was benching at my best uh in a single ply bencher i was benching six i think i got like 615 for a for a double you know what I mean? So like, you know, I had some pretty impressive lifts. Um, I'd say so. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And uh, so like, for me, it's all relative, right? So like, I tell people like, like, oh, how much? Because I end up completely just obliterating my pec. I'm coming back. Like I said, everything's coming back quick. Strength's coming back quick. But I, I wasn't doing anything what I thought was extreme. It felt like just like a normal, it was like, I think I had like 385 on the bar. I rep it out 10 times. No problem. I'd already warmed up. I drank a lot of water. <clears throat> I don't know what the, I don't, it was to this day. I still don't know what happened. Just a freak thing. And this is where I think things happen for a reason. I ended up blowing my pet completely off the bone. Hmm. Um, devastating injury, right? If anybody in the body world knows, like you, you, you have a pet tear like that. Your, your competitive days are done. Like you're, you know, like, like right now, like I'm missing, you know, there's like a huge indent basically where in my pack now that's permanently there. And this is a physique sport. So like, you know, I, if I was to compete, I'm obviously going to get, you know, my ass handed to me because anybody that competes with a full pet, you know, with two, two nice, pretty packs is going to be looking at me with half a pity going with the, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So it's, it's like, uh, it was, it was a pretty depressing time. Um, but what ended up happening is and i'd already um when i'd come back i had already called all my clients and 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 made some you know instagram posts and everything and i had all my clients just came kind of dumping back this is back when gyms were opening back up and i got all my clients back and i'm already i was doing good but when that happened and i was able to really like full like full time because at this point i'm out with this injury right i'm not working at all 
I'm able to devote everything to just uh, my coaching. It just blew up. My coaching went to a whole nother thing. I was, you know, and then I was able to take, I was able to start marketing. I was able to start like doing advertisements and able to do all these things that I had ever done. Next thing you know, I'm getting calls from people in China. I got clients in Canada, I got clients in all over the country, you know, and it just kind of, it kind of just blew up. And, um, you know, so something at the time that was this like terrible catastrophic injury ended up actually being kind of a catapult or a catalyst, I should say, uh, for my coaching business, taking it into a whole nother uh, kind of a, a realm that I never saw, you know, so it, it, you know, works out. Things happen for a reason, right? <laughs> so now on the coaching front, right? So now you, you have this coaching business, it's flourishing. And now we, you know, we're talking about your psychology as a competitor. How about, how is it working with all of these athletes? Right. And, and obviously you knew what motivated you. How is it working with, again, men and women, obviously different ages, they have different goals. Like you said, not everybody wants to compete. Some people it's gen pop. They just want to feel better. Some people want to have a transformation to look better, but yet again, no, no interest in ever stepping on stage. How is it for you on a, and again, on a mental side, obviously drawn up workouts and nutrition, you know, that's your thing, but having to also be the psychologist and the counselor for these folks just mm -hmm. as much, right. Just to keep them on track because again, everybody, you know, again, going to the gym, as far as the training, that's the easiest part of the whole deal. But the, mm. the mental accountability, how is it on the psychology side as the coach now? Because you, you, you've been there, right? So that's the thing, right? Whether yeah. it's strength, sports, right. or bodybuilding, you know the work that needs to be put in. So when you're dealing with these folks who are or maybe are not putting that work in, how is it dealing with them on the, the psych side? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. You know, if I rewind all the way back to the 18-year-old version of myself, that when I kind of first, you know, went into this endeavor, um, cause even, I mean, like I've been personal training, like even when I was at the Academy, I had like the sergeants and stuff, their workout advice in the, in the, in the weight room, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, so like I, it never, I, I've been, I've been personal training, whether it was my main gig or a side, like a side business of mine, you know, my entire life. And, um, but if you rewind all the way back to like the 18 year old version of me, like I would have never had guessed that it was such a um there's such a psychology to it right and 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 so much of what you are is really just a counselor and you're gonna hear everyone's excuse and then figure out what the truth of it really is and and where their heart really is on it and then, and then from there that's where you kind of dictate what they're capable of you know what i mean and you have to like what i've learned especially i've been you know fortunate enough now to have had so many champion athletes like so many overall winners and, and, and just, you know, a lot of trophies that have come now under my, um, under my, under my supervision. Um, I don't really, you know, how do I say this? Like when it comes to my competitors, I don't believe blowing smoke creates champions, you know? Um, and I see that a lot. Like I see a lot of coaches who will just tell people what they want to hear you know, oh, you're doing great. Oh, good job. Great job. And, and it's, it's just bullshit. You know what I mean? You didn't No, you didn't do a great job this week. Sorry. You don't get in You know what I mean? Like I don't give out the free attaboys. Um, I'm a little more cold, I guess, when it comes to that thing. Like <laughs> when my clients get a good job out of me, it's they, they had it coming, you know, like they, they earned that. 
Um, and I'm going to tell them like, Hey, you're doing good, but this is what's going to keep you from winning. And this is what's keeping you from being, you know, I, I really just try to be as honest and, 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 and let my clients know like where I'm at or what I'm seeing or what I'm thinking, um, as much as possible. Um, lifestyle clients, a little different, you know, they are kind of, you know, looking more for that, that old trainer hat, that psychologist side of things. And they're going to give you every excuse on why they screwed up that week. And then you're going to have to say, okay, that's cool, but let's try doing this then next time. Cause that was a bad choice, you know, like <laughs> going to McDonald's and having a big Mac because you're short on time was not your best option. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that, you know, that's with the lifestyle clients. I still have a lot more of the psychology. Um, but then we talk about now with like pro athletes, right? And you talk about the, again, the other, like you're you have an extreme sport. Well, if you want to really dial it up to the extremes of it, it's competing at, at the pro level. Right. And, and that is, you are going to start getting some of that psychology and, 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 you know, talking with the clients on show day and, 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 um, you know, with my pro athletes, I really try to be there, be at the competition, um, and really have that time where I can get in front of them and they can see me, I can look in their eyes and I can try to get the best out of them. You know what I mean? Cause it's those every, the second they walk out on that stage, you know, they're, you're being judged. Um, but to, with a, I mean, with a fine tooth comb, you know what I mean? Especially when you're talking, you got 20 guys in a division, every one of them looks fucking badass. It's not like an amateur show where you've got 20, 20 or 30 people in a, in a category and maybe five or six look good, you know, mm. <laughs> um, at the pro level, like 90, 90% of them all look awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you really got to get the best out because then it's coming down to, you know, Hey, are you making, when you go out there, are you, are you remember those cues that we talked about with your posing and remember, you know, you know, to, when you're breathing and to breathe out here and to do that, you know, there's, there's all these other little parts that it's, it's just, how was your diet coming into this part? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. was your diet executed? Well, we know that was because if they they wouldn't be a, they wouldn't be on a pro stage if their diet wasn't executed properly, right? Right. So now it's all this other stuff that when you start getting into the upper, you know, the upper sides of things, and you know, talking, you know, the the there's like these minute parts of it that you don't even realize. You know what I mean? That you become start become aware of. Right. So how about let's go let's go to a show day. So when you have you know, say a local event to you, right? Where the, the whole squad is there and, and a large portion of the, the team is competing. What what are your feelings as you see, you know, these athletes that you've coached on stage? Is it, it I'm sure it ranges, right? Because again, you know the truth behind, you know, who nailed their prep, who didn't, who put in the work, maybe mm -hmm. who didn't. But indifferent of that, even leading up to the show, when you see your athletes on stage, how does how does that make you feel? You know, at this point, I, I truly feel like I live vicariously through my clients. Like I'm celebrating every step with them. You know, um, it's such a rewarding experience to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. I mean, I'll have some of these local shows where we got, you know, 15 people competing and 15 different personalities, you know, different categories and genders and all the different inner workings of all that. And, one one guy's fighting with his girlfriend the night before and you know and then you got another girl who just started her period and you got another client who hasn't 
pooped in two days and you know, you know what I mean? Like you just have all this stuff and at the end of that weekend, you're absolutely exhausted. You're just emotionally fried, you know, and, um, but then that it, it, you still kind of have that, that same runner's high. Like we talked about at the end, like even as a coach, like at the very end of it, like you finally go out and like have a dinner, hopefully with some of your athletes, you know, if everybody can line up, cause everyone's got family flying in and everything, you know, so it doesn't always work out, but you know, it's nice to be able to go out and just celebrate, you know, the victories and, and, uh, kind of take it all in. Um, but it, it can be absolutely exhausting. <laughs> you know? so. so we're almost 45 minutes in this podcast, Ryan, and we haven't let the cat out of the bag yet that you and Mike work together and that Mike, Mike is your coach. So yeah. there we go. Secrets out. Not that it was a secret, <laughs> but I say that to say, um, Mike, as I was watching Ryan, you know, from when he first started working with you to when he went out to the show in Reno to the Instagram post that I saw. Uh, there was one in particular where um, you guys were working on poses and I, there might've been six, seven, eight of you guys um, doing that together. And, you know, and then talking to Ryan after it. And he said, you know, I didn't know these guys outside of Mike going in, but when I was there and when I met them, they all welcomed, welcomed me like a brother and it felt like a family. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that is, that's a testament to the culture that you've created so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit. Um, is that something you intentionally try to do, or is that just a byproduct of of what you've kind of built your your coaching empire to be at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think you attract. Um, I do think I, I I've been fortunate to attract a certain clientele. Uh, you know, I, I I very rarely get clients that I'm like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Um, and so that's a fortunate you know a fortunate side of things, but. I do try to make sure that like we're posing together to introduce everybody and to try to make it as much as possible. Like we, cause we are, we're showing up there as a team, you know, especially, um, you know, nowadays, like I know this year started, we're starting to ramp up. I'm starting to get, you know, it, it's really starting to take off and it's going to be the same kind of thing. We're walking into some of these, these shows, at least locally with, you know, 15 or 20 people and, you know, and it's going to be, um, uh, one of those things where if I can try to, Hey, let's all go out together and have our carb up meal together, or, you know, do this and that, like try to pair things up together so that there is that sense of family. Um, I just think it's all it's going to do is just help people benefit. Right. Cause at the end of the day, like you want this at this point, most of the hard work should be done. Right. So it should really be like, um, you want it to be a good experience. And I hear so much where these clients come to me and they tell me about their first competition and how terrible it was and, and how their coach wouldn't get back to them in time. And, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, man, that is terrible to do all that work. And, and then still just be like, you know, kind of just questioning if you're even doing the right thing and, you know, all this. And so if I can pair people up and, and have almost like, um, you know, cause you let's say you have, Let's, for example, like Ryan's category, you know, you got the classic division. Well, I think I had three guy, three or four guys competing in classic at, at just his competition. Well, even if I'm not there, they can help each other in the sense of like if they're backstage posing mm-hmm. um, and they can all look at each other, you know, they're able to, to hey, man, it look good or do this or blah, 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 or try this and, and able to, you know, kind of communicate or, or bring out some stuff that maybe I even didn't see. You know what I mean? And um, so, I, yeah. And then, and not to mention you have that support system that now you've kind of had that, 
you know, I'm sure Ryan can reach out to any of those people on Instagram and they probably became friends at this point because they have that experience together, you know? No, exactly. And that's, you know, that whole experience. And I guess we can rewind a little bit in, in, as far as go, getting into that story in Reno. So ultimately, when Mike and I first started working together, my plan was, hey, we're going to do this from afar. And actually, let's back up one more step. So we talk about the client coach relationship. So when I called Mike the very first time, we scheduled a 30 minute phone call that was kind of a feeler out. And at first, that was one of the first things I appreciated about Mike because it wasn't just this, hey, send me a check and I'll send you a workout plan, right? It was, hey, let's let's chat and let's just see if we're a good fit. So it was a 30 minute, scheduled for 30 minutes. We ended up talking for an hour and it was just about his personal style, my personal style, just life, right? So it was really, it was just a talk just to see how do we fit as people? First off, so I, I just thought that was super cool. But then it turned out, he said, hey, let me know what show you're going to do. And then that's kind of how we'll build out your plan. I said, okay, I'm going to do this show in Cleveland in October. It's local to me. So from the logistics, it just makes the most sense. So that's how we started. It was, okay, cool. A month or two, not it wouldn't have been two months, maybe four or six weeks into prep, Mike calls me and says, hey, I noticed that the date for your show lines up with this big show that we have out here in Reno. If you'd have any interest, come on out to Reno and I could put eyes on you and we could we could walk this thing in together. And I never that hadn't even didn't even think of that. And so in my mind, I was just, yeah, I was going out to Reno by myself, didn't know anybody from anything, right? Besides Mike, and had never met him, right? We had just talked, you know, on the phone. And so for mm -hmm. me, it was obviously, you know, preps its own beast. The show was gonna be its own thing. But I felt that I wanted that comfort level, at least even having him there. But then to your point, it was, okay, the whole the whole team was there. I had no idea how many people there were going to be. But from, yeah, men's and women's classes, all the different bodybuilding classes. And um, so, yeah, from that very first night, Mike got everybody together. We posed multiple times a day and each day leading up to the show to the point where, yeah, on show day, I knew 10 people backstage. You know, And even if I would have done the show in Cleveland, I wouldn't have known anybody. And I wouldn't have had my coach there. And so it was super comforting because, again, you're trying to manage nerves. You're trying to manage so many things to hit your peak that just a little bit of stress can really work against your body, right? And so to have him there, he was such a, a comfort and like a reinforcement there that just made me feel better about the whole situation. And then, again, having the teammates. And, of course, we all kind of know what we're going through. Everybody has different things but at the same time we all knew we were there with a purpose and so everybody was super supportive i mean the very first night that we posed half of us were really close on weight and so we posed and posed and posed and posed mm -hmm. until we were basically gassed out and then went and sat in the sauna for <laughs> however long just to try mm -hmm. and squeeze out a little bit more water right because he's looking at us yep. and telling us hey you need more carbs or you don't need you need more protein or you don't need you need more cardio or you don't need is this a sauna where there was literally only enough room for you to stand in the middle? Yes. Was that the one you're telling me? <laughs> this is this this gym that we were at was kind of one of the, you know, uh, unofficial official gyms of the show. And so yeah, we were we were not the only ones that needed to squeeze out some water weight. Plus, just some of the guys that were trying to get warmed up or cooled down from their workout. So that sauna was it was the most popular sauna I've ever been in in those nights leading up to that. But yeah, so it's Mike does. And that's where I, I will give him the plug that 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 team chemistry of of the people and the, the family atmosphere. And this is where, again, I, I can tell this from my experiences, you know, Mike actually welcomed me into his family uh, during these times because, you know, I didn't 
I didn't know where I was at, didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Mike, Mike and his wife, they just kind of toted me around uh, on this this trip because mm-hmm. I was just again, I was I was the dude from Ohio. No one quite understood why I even made the trip. <laughs> and it's like, you're kind of wild, man. Like, why, you know, you had to come to Reno to compete. <laughs> and um, so, no, I mean, it was honestly, it was such a good experience. And that's where, and again, everybody has different different experiences. And especially if you work with a coach, to me, that's trying to take your game to a different level. You know, when you decide to work with a coach and that was my whole idea was, Hey, I really want to maximize this. But at the same time, there's a trust factor that you have to have with a coach and vice versa. Right. So he's given me this plan. He's trusting I'm going to follow through. And then I'm trusting that if I follow through, it's going to get me to my best physique. And so it's just such a cool dynamic or interesting dynamic. It doesn't work for everybody, but for us, it was just a deal where the personalities we hit it off in the beginning and then as I kind of started to learn how he operated and how, when he would make his adjustments and then what I would have to adjust and just, and you know, cause that's what I mean, Caleb, you were part of the prep. Yeah, the, the, yeah for the, sure. Next to Mike, you were the person who knew what I was going through, you know, the most. And I would just, I would tell Caleb all the time and say, Hey, here's the change. Here's my physiques. Mike, I would send you my check-in pictures. And then I would send Caleb. Mike, I'll say this. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he told me that you would give him some grief because Ryan would maybe sometimes forget there's a three hour difference and Ryan would send you pics at like 6 a.m. <laughs> and you're getting them at like 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, you know, I've gotten used to that. Like, that's another thing. Like, I've really had to get used to in the last, you know, the last few years is like there's been, there's been situations where I'm peaking somebody in, in Canada. I'm peaking somebody over here on the West Coast. And then I'm peeking someone over and, and, you know, and so I've got like all these time zones. Mm-hmm. And so there was there, I remember this one morning, I, I have to wake up at one 30 in the morning for one client to send me his, his updates and his pictures. Cause it's all, you know, they all, they're all doing the same thing. Right. So I'm looking at them all the night before, but it's all obviously, at least with this one, it was online, you know, it's, it's, but, but regardless, like my wife's going you know, driving her freaking nuts because my phone's pinging like all night long and <laughs> constantly getting things. And, and there was an anxiousness to it too, right? Like, cause I'm, you know, like everything is very, I mean, it, it's hard to explain unless you've done it, but like, okay, you know, he's, he's, he's dead on and now we're just going to hold it. And then all of a sudden you get a picture and you're like, crap, he flattened out. Okay. We need to add this in. Uh, okay. Now we need to add a little bit of sodium. Okay. Now pool sodium. Okay. Now, now zero water and you know and that, you know you're like all these little calculations and things and everyone's got this different plan because you have all these different physiques and stuff and you're trying to work it all together you know to like you've got like this orchestra <laughs> you know that you're trying to it's like a symphony going on and and so I, I literally got up at like 1:30 I went to bed late because I I have to stay up late with him too because I need them to after we start his last meal or these client these clients on this particular day. They all got to send me pictures. So I'm waiting for them all to send me their last picture. So I, I think my last guy, I got like his last photos at like 11 o'clock or something, 11 o'clock, midnight, somewhere in there. I'm like, all right, dude, go to sleep, you know, blah, blah, blah. I try to rack out, finally rack out. Next thing you know, my phone's going off at 1.30 for, you know, the, the other guy that's in, I think it was Canada. And I'm looking at his, uh, and so it was like this, you know, and so and then by the time it's done, because then I'm, I'm, I'm with them. And one's going to get spray tan and one's going this and one's got athlete check-ins. And I'm like, it's just some of my, my um, weekends can be absolutely nuts now at this point, you know, my, my, especially my Fridays and Saturdays, because that's obviously when most competitions are, unless you're talking like nationals and then it's different and, you know, but whatever. So it's trying to, you know, so that's why, you know, in back to like with Ryan, one of the things I do try to do 
is if I can try to like funnel people into a competition rather than having, you know, a ton of them going off. Like if some people are open to traveling, cause some people don't care and some people want to travel. Like they want to look at, they almost want to be like a vacation to them, you know? So like, if I can, I will try to like funnel people into certain competitions I have so that I can like kind of condense time zones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that one worked out perfectly because I, I don't think I had any other shows going on that weekend, if I remember right. So it was just like, just that luckily, because I had 15 athletes on the amateur side and I think I had a pro athlete and it was just nuts. So I was like, this is, this is insanity, you know? <laughs> and so let's, so moving forward and now, like you said, that the business has been built out, people know who you are and what your brand is. How do you see things moving forward? Do you do you try and scale it up more? Do you let it go organically? How intentional are you with the growth? Do you you know do you think there's is there a sweet spot that you think you can keep your sanity but still manage a certain number of clients? You know what what kind of goals do you have, or how are you setting your goals? Are you just kind of letting it letting it happen and and seeing how you feel about it? So at this point, at this point, I'm keeping roughly 75 clients at a time um it used to be 50 but i've been out of work now for the last because how it works with my job is i only work three days a week so i do 40 hours in three days and then i have four days off every week so i mean i have a lot of control over my schedule in that sense and so i'm able to run my business but in those four days i like to have about 50 clients and that's usually what i'll keep um but I got injured. I herniated two discs with uh, getting in a fight with an inmate. And so I've been out of work since August dealing with that. And um, so because of that, and because it's going to be probably a while until I go back to work with all the treatment and everything I have to go through, I have to get injections and all this other stuff to get it fixed. So I've upped it to, I'm, I'm keeping about 75 right now. And my idea with that is then if I need to scale back down, it won't be too hard to like, cause people are always falling off, you know? And then I usually have a fresh group coming through and it's just kind of the normal ebb and flow. And so what'll end up happening is I'll be, I'll just end up having like a waiting list. I've done that in the past where our, I'll have a waiting list. And then as soon as a spot opens up, I can put somebody into it, you know? Yeah. And so that's probably how I'm doing it when I need to go back to 50. But as it is right now, I'm just kind of, kind of, I'm able to handle more than than normal. So I'm not like, I don't have, you know, I'm not like overly regulating because I do have the time right now. I'm not doing anything else. Like right now I'm back to just like 100% just coaching. And, and so I'm able to, to, to do more than I, you know, my, I'm scaled up more than I normally do. And I'm also really big on like, I have every Apple device you can imagine. I got the, you know, the latest iWatch, the iMac, the, the MacBook, I got the tablets, I got all of it. Right. And so. And it's, everything's linked. So I can pull up a diet plan wherever I'm at, you know, and um, I can jump on phone calls and Skypes and FaceTime and all that wherever I'm at. And so like that helps me to be able to handle a lot more too. Um, just having the right processes in play, the website helps, you know, for, you know, just things like that. And so that's all allowed me to keep my scale at kind of where I'm at. But this is probably about as big as I'll let it be um, just because I do have a feeling I'm going to have to scale it back to some degree in the next six months or so, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I love it. I enjoy doing this. And so 
Like right now, I'm going to ride the wave. If I could have more clients and do that, then I will. But I never want it to be at the cost of the of the athlete, right? Like I never want to be that coach. I've seen it so many times where, you know, you think you're working with a certain coach, and realistically, you're working with some other guy that he just pawned him off to, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And, and I think that is absolute chicken shit. Um, and I never want to get so busy. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I am very busy. Like my phone is. I literally have, we've been on this for what, like almost an hour and I've got eight text messages and, you know, six emails I've gotten just in this hour, you know what I mean? And so, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm busy, but I, I like it, right? Like it's good busy, you know? Um, it, it, I, I feel like I'm able to give the client exactly what they need and make sure that they're obtaining their goals. And, uh, I'm not sacrificing quality. The second I ever start sacrificing quality is when I know I'm, I'm beyond my, my reach. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that would probably be my next thing. Like if I have to go, if, you know, cause I'll know, luckily it's not one of those things like, Oh, so, oh I, all of a sudden I'm just, I'm back to work. Like, just like that. And I didn't know, I didn't see it coming or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm able to see it. And at that point I'll put a waiting list up, kind of let some clients start filtering back out. And then, you know what I mean? And so I, it's all kind of, it's controlled, you know? Yeah. So as we wrap up in that in that same case, in case you were wanting to take more clients, what's the what's your preferred method of how you want people to to reach out to you if they're trying to find out what Team Courtney is all about? What's what's the best way for someone to try and get in touch with you? Uh, TeamCourtneyCoaching.com. Um, you can get on there. Uh, you can you can inquire. You can request a phone consultation. You can send me an email right from the front page. You can send me an email, and I check my emails regularly. Um, you can also check me on Instagram at team underscore coaching underscore or the team underscore Courtney underscore coaching, um, on Instagram. And I, I post quite a bit on there as well. Um, and you can always send me a, a DM as well. Listeners, we're going to put, uh, all of Mike's socials in the show notes. So we'll link to his website. We'll link to his IG and, uh, you guys can have easy access to that. So you can connect with Mike if you'd like to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this has been great, Mike. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, so listeners, we hope there was something that you gained from this conversation. Our goal is that you would take away inspiration that allows you to go an extra mile in your next run or add another pound to your next lift. Until next time, run toward your goals, lift up others, and grow in your perspective. 